With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. The volume. Boxing with Chris Mannix is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There is no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. It's got great odds and markets for Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL, PGA Tour, and so much more. And of course, boxing. Why you're listening to this? It is awesome with new and existing user promotions. It is America's number one sports book. It's safe and secure. You get your winnings fast. It's fun to combine multiple bets from the same game into a same game parlay, and you can discover the most popular SGPs each day right when you log in. If you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with the promo code BOXING so that they know that I sent you. This is Boxing with Chris Mannix. Oh, somebody punch him in the face. Anthony Joshua is a composed and ferocious finisher. Watch this. Andy Ruiz is the heavyweight champion. Hosted by SI's Chris Mannix. That was my moment. Now with interviews, analysis, and everything going on in the world of boxing. When you have talent, you are given another chance. Here's Chris Mannix. All right. Keith Eidek is back, senior writer over at BoxingScene.com. He was just at the Archer Betterbiev Joe Smith press conference. That fight uh, can be seen on Saturday at the theater at Mass Square Garden and on ESPN. And Keith, you will be pleased to know that I will be there for that fight. I'm getting on the Amtrak on Friday, and I am going to New York City for Betterbiev Smith. Wow. So what happens if it goes to seven games? That's not going to affect you in any way? No, I'm. if, if Celtics-Warriors go seven, I'm going to fly to San Francisco on Sunday morning. Ah, look at you. This is, a, this is two live, non-dizone boxing events that I'm going to see Chris Mannix at in less than a month. It is a miracle. It, that's right. I was at Tank Davis, Roly Romero, Archer Betterbiev, Joe Smith. Who knows? Maybe I'll show up at like a club show in South Florida at some point. Just popping in left and right, ready to go. Maybe I'll go out to California and see Chop Chop Corley back in action. I think he's like 73 and getting ready to fight at welterweight. Devin Alexander. Again, so, uh, I'm, I'm Devin Alexander, I think. It's yeah. like it's uh, 2004, <laughs> you know. 
we somebody's gonna stop Chop Chop Corley from fighting. Like that yeah, just has crazy. to stop. I don't care. I don't care if he's fighting Devin Alexander. He needs to stop fighting. Um, all right, lot to get into with you, Keith, and we are gonna talk about Better BF Smith, which is a fantastic fight. Um, you know, must see TV for as long as it lasts. But I want to look back to a couple of fights we saw this past weekend. Uh, in New York City, you had Edgar Berlanga winning a decision against Romer Angulo. Uh, he won decisively on the scorecards, but it was uh, a fourth straight opponent that went the distance with Edgar Berlanga, who has not looked like the power-punching potential star that we saw for his first 16 fights uh, when he picked up all those first-round knockouts. What did you think of Berlanga's performance, which included a Mike Tyson-esque bite of the shoulder of Roma Romero, uh, Roma Regulo, that uh, could have gotten him disqualified if the referee had seen it the, the way it, uh, it transpired. Yeah, and I think the only reason he wasn't admonished during the fight, Chris, was because uh, Ricky Gonzalez, the referee, did not see him do it. Where he was positioned, he was trying to separate them, and he didn't see Berlanga try to bite him, uh, or he would have. I'm assuming he would have taken a point away from him at that point. I mean, how could you not really? It's such a rare occurrence. Uh, I think that's going to draw a suspension and or a fine, uh, probably a suspension and a fine uh, from the New York State Athletic Commission, and rightfully so. So Berlanga won't be able to fight in New York probably for about six months, if I had to guess. Um, Mm. The performance itself, I I thought the fight was closer than they had it on the scorecards. Chris, they had it, I think it was – 99-91 99-91 on two scorecards and 99-92 on the other. I thought it was a closer fight than that. I had it 96-94 for Belanga at ringside. You know, sometimes at ringside you get a different look than you get on television. Maybe it was a little wider on TV. But uh, I didn't think that he won. But I wasn't all that surprised that he didn't knock out Alexis Angulo because Angulo, while he's been stopped once by David Benavidez, it wasn't a clean knockout. The fight was stopped after – it was a very one-sided fight that was stopped after the 10th round. It wasn't a situation where he got blasted out of there by Benavidez or, you know, or knocked down several times or anything. So he's a pretty durable guy. So I'm not really surprised that he went the distance and he's a pretty good, even though he's 38 years old, he's a pretty big puncher. Um, so I think Berlanga had to be careful with him to some extent. He worked with a new trainer for the first time and Juan De Leon, I think his conditioning was better because he seemed to be more active in the later rounds and more willing to, uh, to to box in the later rounds than he was against Steve Rolls, who's a much lesser puncher. And I think a lot of the criticism from the Rolls fight is that he didn't try to get Steve Rolls out of there in the later rounds. I think he had a little more, a little better conditioning in this fight. Um, I, what I would say, Chris, about Berlanga is I think because he knocked out his first 16 opponents in the first round, there may be some unrealistic expectations attached to his name. And that's that's going to come when you when you have a lot of hype. I mean, that's kind of what happens. So um, while he's not as good as maybe people were trying to make him out to be when he knocked out 16 guys in the first round in a row, he's, he's not as bad maybe as people are making it seem to be at this point either. Yeah, that's a good way to put it, um, you know, because you know, now the tide is completely turned against him. People are saying, oh, well, you can't knock out Steve Rolls. You go the distance with Angulo. Um, you know, maybe you're not this heavily hyped prospect or not as good as this heavily hyped prospect that was coming up the ranks. When the out- reality is he's winning these fights by wide decisions. Um, you know, he beats up Steve Rolls. He does get knocked down against Coceres two fights earlier, but mm-hmm. he got up to win that uh, fight rather convincingly. So it's not like he's in danger of losing many of these fights, but maybe he's not 
Maybe he's not the kind of puncher we thought he was going to be. Maybe mm-hmm. we maybe we kind of thought he was going to be a Benavidez like puncher or a better BF like puncher in his weight class. Uh, I'm not sure he's he's that or ever going to be that. And I guess my my take on the future of Berlanga is like they they talk a lot about the uh, Jesse Hart fight. It's been discussed for over a year. I really like that fight for Berlanga. It's kind of a sink or swim type of fight. I mean, Jesse Hart's only lost at. The highest level, Zerto Ramirez, Joe Smith. Um, he's not great by any stretch, but if Jesse Hart can make 168, um, I'd make that fight and see what Berlanga's got. Uh, what do you think of uh, a fight with uh, Jesse Hart? I know that's a fight that Top Rank is very interested in making. They wanted to make it for this past Saturday night. They wanted to make it for March 19th. I mean, they've been trying to make that fight for a while. Uh, Top Rank used to be Jesse Hart's promoter, of course. Uh, Bob Arum has an affection for Jesse Hart because he's Cyclone Hart's son. And, um, you know, they work with him for a long time. And his, you know, his losses are respectable losses to two points losses to to Gilberto Ramirez and uh, and to Joe Smith, who later became the WBO light heavyweight champion. So there's no shame in the losses on Jesse Hart's record. You know, Jesse Hart's a back end of the uh, top 15 type of contender, probably. And if you're Edgar Berlanga and you can't beat Jesse Hart, well, then where are you going, really? I mean, so that, that's a reasonable test for him to take. I've been led to believe that that will not be the next fight for Edgar Berlanga, although it's a fight that I know top rank wants. Uh, we'll have to see how it plays out here over the next few months because he won't fight until December at the earliest because, as I mentioned earlier, Chris, he's probably going to be suspended by the New York State Athletic Commission for six months. Uh, he could you know, potentially fight in Puerto Rico maybe in December, uh, but maybe he doesn't fight until the beginning of 2023. So, uh, you, know, you want to see him take these incremental steps up in opponents. But, you know, at, at this point, Edgar Berlanga is, I, I guess, you know, a back end of the top 15 type of contender, I guess. I mean, he's not certainly not David Benavidez uh, or, or a fighter anywhere near on that level. And I think, his, you know, his his handlers realize that and they want to be careful in moving him forward. Um you know, there's, there's some uh, push and pull, I guess, or, or a tug of war, so to speak, with top rank in terms of how quickly they step him up to the level of opponents that top rank wants to see him fight. And I think that's what we'll see play out over the next few months. Yeah, I, I think it's time. Um, and, like, you're not putting him in with David Benavides. You're putting him in with Jesse Hart. Like, mm-hmm. and Jesse Hart is a good fighter, but not some super power puncher. Um, he's uh, he's awkward. Uh, but, like, I... I think that's the fight where we see if Berlanga is ready for top-level opponents. And at some point, he's going to have to face a Jesse Hart. Uh, whether it's next fight, the fight after that, he's got to get in the ring with somebody, either Hart or of that ilk. So whoever's against it, Berlanga, his manager, Keith Conley, his training team. I understand maybe you want to get a second fight with your new trainer to continue to develop chemistry with him. But um, it's time for Edgar Berlanga to step up and uh, and take a legitimate fight. Or legitimate top 15, top 20 uh, type uh, of opponent. Uh, also on Saturday, Keith, we had Jaime Munguia uh, beating up on the latest overmatched opponent that has been fit, put in front of uh, Jaime Munguia. Jimmy Kelly uh, fought well for four rounds. Uh, kind of, I thought he kind of confused Ber- uh, Berlanga. I thought he kind of confused Munguia, tagged him a few times, but then Munguia turned on the Jets in the fifth round, knocked Jimmy Kelly down uh, three times, and eventually the fight was waved off. I don't even want to talk about the fight itself, Keith, because it was what it was. But, you know, look, Munguia's out there now kind of being more proactive about calling out people. He called out Jamal Charlo. We both know that was a fight that was discussed and even agreed to financially before network uh, issues, you know, threw that in the garbage can. Um, you know, are, are, how confident are you we're going to see Jaime Munguia in with 
a top-level guy. Because my biggest fear, Keith, is that Munguia can't get a Charlo fight. He moves up to 168. Then we start this process all over again of him getting adjusted to a new weight with a bunch of, you know, inferior opponents. And it's like another two years before we even get close to a Jaime Munguia uh, fight against the top guy at super middleweight. So how do you feel about Munguia taking on a top guy in his next fight? Well, I hope he's serious about wanting to fight a top middleweight in his next fight, Chris, but I don't have a ton of confidence in it in the sense that, you know, he had opportunities to fight for world titles multiple times. And for one reason or another, whoever you want to blame, whether you want to blame golden boy promotions or Zan for boxing or Jaime Munguia himself or anyone else who's involved in his career, because there are a lot of people uh, chirping in his ear Whoever you want to blame, the bottom line is he could have fought Demetrius Andrade for the WBO title. He could have fought Jamal Charlo for the WBC title. He could have fought uh, Janabek Emily and whatever his last name is. Let's just call him Janabek. They could Let's call him Janabek. Right. Yeah. He, he could have fought him for the vacant WBO title once Demetrius Andrade moved up to fight Zach Parker. He could have fought Carlos Adamas in a WBC eliminator, which of course is a fight that could have been skipped if he just would have fought Jamal Charlo to begin with, that's a lot of opportunities to pass up. Now, he, his, he and his team can blame whoever they want for, for the, these fights falling apart, but they are the common denominator in all of these instances when he could have fought either for world titles or in world, world title eliminators at 160 pounds. So if he really wants the fights and really wants to make these fights happen, it's incumbent on him to make these fights happen next because really what is the point of continually fighting guys uh, you know, like Jimmy Kelly. And even if he would have fought Shane Mosley Jr., who's, you know, done some decent things in recent years and everything. And he's an, obviously he's Shane Mosley's son. He's a bit of a name and he has shown some improvement. Is that a big fight? Is that something that he should be aspiring to do at, at, at a catch weight between 160 and 168? I, I just want to see him. Look, the thing that I don't understand, Chris, is this is a guy who four years ago was willing to fight Gennady Golovkin. And if Bob Bennett, then the executive director of the Nevada State Athletic Commission, did not step in and and turn down that fight and not allow them to make that fight, he would have fought Golovkin four years ago. So I don't I have a hard time believing it's him specifically that wouldn't want it. I mean, he was ready to fight Golovkin long before Golovkin turned 40 years old. So why would he now not? Now I understand the Andre. You know, we mentioned Andre on this podcast oftentimes, Chris. I mean, he's a he's a you know he's a six, every so often he's a six one southpaw, and I understand why people don't want to fight him, but you don't want to fight Charlo either, and you don't want to fight Carlos Adamas, and you don't want to fight Janabek. I mean, that's a lot of guys that you don't want to fight. Well, who do you want to fight, and when? Yeah. I mean, look, he says, look, the, forget the eliminators. He could have had the Andre fight anytime in the last three years. Mm-hmm. Anytime. Andre was sitting up there saying, I'll give him the shot. He was willing to take less money. Like, he was willing to do whatever it took to get Jaime Munguia in the ring with him. That opportunity to fight for a middleweight title has been there waiting for him. Quite frankly, is still there waiting for him. I don't know what Andre's going to do next, uh, but technically he's still the WBO's uh, middleweight champion. Maybe he convinced the WBO to let him fight Munguia, um, and then the winner would have to fight uh, Janabek. But, like, there's opportunity out there to fight Demetrius Andre. He messaged me after that last fight. He said, look, I'm 34 years old. How old do Oscar De La Hoya and Eric Gomez need me to get before uh, they put Munguia in with me? And I-, I agree with them. Like, it's a fight. And by the way, 
again, not to go down the Android rabbit hole, but like I might favor Munguia in that fight at this point. Munguia's really good. Like he's become a really good fighter. He's a volume puncher. He's got a good chin. He's never going to be a great defensive fighter, but you don't really need to be when you are that good and that active offensively. So it's not like that's a fight where he would be overmatched in. I don't, I don't understand it. All that and like I mean. I, lo I love the idea of making a Charlo fight. You know, Munguia had the sound bite, stop hiding behind Al Heyman, though that didn't really make any sense since they made a deal financially for, for the fight. Um, I just, I, I don't know how it happens. Like, I, I don't see DAZN and Showtime reaching a deal that allows that fight to move forward. So I, I have, I don't know about you, but I don't have any confidence we'll see Munguia in with Jamal Charlo. No, and that's unfortunate because it is a fight that I think people were interested in watching. It's not a... Look, the bottom line is whoever, again, whoever you want to blame, the way, the way it was explained to me is there was a deal in place. And then, um, you know, Munguia's side came back and said, hey, you know, we need to do a joint pay-per-view with the zone. And the fight shouldn't be on pay-per-view no matter who's distributing it, whether it's Showtime, the zone, top rank, it really makes no difference. That That is not a pay-per-view fight. But the money supposedly was there to put that fight on Showtime. So... You know, put it on Showtime, put it on zone, whatever the case might be. Don't try to charge people. Mm. Set it. It's a good fight, and it's an interesting fight. It's not a fight that people should be asked to go in their pockets for $75 to watch. Uh, that doesn't stop right. them oftentimes. But uh, I, I hope it's a fight that can be made, but I don't have a lot of confidence in that, to be honest with you. So, uh, so where does Munguia go? I mean, it's a great question, Chris, and it's a question that if I'm him, I want that question answered because how long are you – now, the one thing is he is a draw. I mean, you were there in Anaheim the other day. He, he draws fans. Great crowd. He, he's an entertaining fighter, and, and people have taken to him. And I know he does, uh, from what I've been led to believe, and you would be more privy to this than me, that he does pretty good numbers on zone when he fights. I mean, he's he's an interesting guy. And um, There's a but, reason, Keith. There's a reason they're paying him $2 million. Yeah. Like, that was his purse for the last fight. Like, he's, there's, he does good numbers. That, that's why, like... I don't know how you get it done, but I don't blame either network that is involved with Munguia and Charlo for demanding to be involved because both networks have invested a lot of right. money in those respected fighters and they want the payoff. So, you know, like my, it, it's, it's an objective solution that will never happen, but like you make it a small pay-per-view where it's like $30 or $50 or something like that just to get it over the finish line because nobody wants to see Charlo against Seletsky. Nobody wants to see that. Nobody wants to see... Uh, you know, Munguia against 168-pound version of Jimmy Kelly. Like, you just don't want to see it. So, yeah. you know, I, I think boxing fans would be willing to go into their pockets to for a small amount just to get that fight over the finish line. The problem, unfortunately, Chris, and I agree with you, if, the, if there were a lower price point for pay-per-views in the United States, like, okay, when Errol Spence fights Terrence Crawford, it looks like that's going to happen, fortunately for us, uh, later this year. Mm -hmm. Okay, charge $75, $80 for that. But if you, for some reason, need to make Jaime Munguia against Jamal Charlo a pay-per-view, well, make it $30 or $35 or what, you know, people might be more apt to go into their pocket for that type of money as opposed to $75 or $80 because it's just not worth that to the, to the American viewer, I don't think. So, uh, like in the UK, when you said, when they're, they're obviously well aware of the price points here in the United States, but fans in the UK, uh, you know, they're, they're paying 20 pounds or 25 pounds for what they consider the highest, anytime Anthony Joshua fights in the UK, obviously it's an enormous event, but they're still only paying, you know, 20 pounds, 25 pounds. They're not paying, you know, whatever the equivalent would be with the exchange rate for, uh, for in US dollars. They're not paying anywhere close to that for even what they consider the most marquee events. 
So the pay-per-view price points have just gotten so out of control in the United States. Uh, there's no real turning back from it. And the way it's been explained to me by ex experts in pay-per-view is, you know, if you start charging 25 or $30, you're kind of diminishing the product and saying it's a lesser event because this one's only worth $30 as opposed to the next one being worth 70. I don't know. I mean, that that's what you think, think fans can't realize that by looking at, looking at it. Like, right. Right. But yeah. They won't pay. If you like charge 70, they won't pay it or 75. They won't, they won't buy it anyway. So. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know that I, I have no confidence will happen. I, I have a feeling we're going to see Munguia against Shane Mosley jr. At some point before the end of the year, mm. Charlo, reschedules with Selecki at some point. Daniel Jacobs kind of lurking out there for both. Uh, Jacobs would fight either one of them and has the flexibility to do it. But, you know, Jacobs wants, you know, a million and a half, $2 million to get back in the ring with either one of those guys. And I'm not sure that money is out there uh, for him. Uh, not, not, uh, not on regular network television, whether it's to zone or showtime. And as it relates to Charlo and Selecki, I, 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 I've been led to believe that that fight might not be, re be rescheduled until the fall. Uh, early fall, Great. but until the fall. So, um, so he, Jamal Charlo. Once a year for Charlo again. Once a year. In that case, yeah, he would only fight one time this year. Um, that wasn't his plan, obviously, but, uh, right. but it looks like if he fights in the fall, yeah, this calendar year, he'll only fight once. It would be his first fight in potentially 14 or 15 months by the time he gets into the ring with Seleski. And, uh, you know, that's unfortunate for a guy who's still in the prime of his career. Yeah, last five years, I think he's only fought once a year uh, or something along those lines. I know the pandemic played a lot, had a lot to do with that. But last year, one time, this year, one time, um, kind of wasting away some of these prime years uh, of his of his career. All right, let's look ahead to the fight this weekend. Archer Betterbiev, Joe Smith, light heavyweight unification fight. Three belts on the line in this fight. Dimitri Bivol, of course, has the fourth piece of that light heavyweight crown. Uh, better be is a huge favorite, Keith. I don't know what the exact line is as we record this, but he's a massive favorite in this fight. It kind of, I know better BF's great and he's got the better resume than Joe Smith topped by the win over, uh, Vostick, but I think Joe Smith's got more, more than just a puncher's chance in a fight like this. I mean, what do you think of the odds of this fight? And what do you think Joe Smith's chances of winning are? I think the odds are kind of ridiculous, to be honest with you, Chris. Yeah. I mean, I, I, and it, by the way, sorry, sorry, just to interrupt you real quick. We had this exact same conversation before Joe Smith beat Jesse Hart. Remember, Joe yeah. Smith was like a four to one underdog no, I know, against I said, Jesse yeah. Hart. And I remember talking to you about this, being like, are we missing something? Like, are we, is Joe Smith that bad that he can't beat Jesse Hart? I don't know that he can beat better BF, but like I, 10 to one or eight to one, whatever it is at this point, like he's better. He's got a better chance than that. Yeah, you know, I remember speaking to you and others about that fight during fight week, Chris, back, I think it was January of 2020. I was like, if anyone should be a four to one favorite in this fight, it should be Joe Smith. But he was coming off kind of a lopsided loss to um, uh, to Dimitri Bivol, who obviously has, you know, proven himself to be an elite level fighter. Uh, so maybe that had a little something to do with that. But I really thought he should have been a four to one favorite, not Jesse Hart. Now, to be clear, uh, Artur Betabriev ain't Jesse Hart. So... <laughs> So I, I understand him being a favorite in the fight, but it at one point earlier this week, Chris, and it depends on which sports book you're looking at. You're right. He was a, I think the Caesar sports book had him as a nine to one favorite, uh, better be And I think FanDuel might've had him at a, as an 11 to one favorite. So you're, you're getting into wacky territory for a guy who is yeah, it's almost, yeah. it's almost malpractice not to bet on it. Like put some money on Joe. It's, like it's, the guy's got a great chin and huge hands. I like can bunch like it, guys like that. You don't bet. 
don't put those kind of odds on. He really does have a great chin. And I, when I was talking to Joe DeGuardia, his promoter the other day, he said, well, obviously I can't bet on it because I'm involved in the event and I'll, you know, <laughs> I would go to jail or whatever the case might be. I can't bet on it. He said, but I would bet set six figures on Joe Smith at, at nine to one. You know, he said it's absurd mm-hmm. that he's a nine to one uh, underdog. But, you know, however you phrase it, he's a nine to one favorite. I think I think Joe Smith is like plus 600 in that case or something like that. But point being, the odds seem out of whack. Now, I understand why better be his favored in the fight. I mean, he's 17 and oh, he's knocked out every opponent that he's fought, but he is 37 years old. He has Correct. shown, right? And Chris, he has shown some vulnerability in these fights, right? I mean, you guys, you you did the fight. The, the zone did the fight, right? When he fought Callum Johnson, he yeah, got knocked Callum down. Johnson, in that fight. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so you saw that from ringside. I mean, he he got knocked down. Now he got up and knocked out Callum Johnson, who's a huge puncher. Um, but he has shown some vulnerability. He he's prone to cuts. Not the best defensive fighter in the world. Not the fastest fighter in the world. So he he. He is. He should be a favorite in the fight, um, and, and he's a dangerous, dangerous guy himself. But would I be surprised at all, or would you be surprised at all, if Joe Smith won Saturday night? I, I wouldn't, you know? No, not even a little. Um, <laughs> like, I, I look, Joe. Joe's ability to box in the later rounds is the one unknown in this fight. I, you know, look, better be have... He's been outboxed early. Like, you go back to the Marcus Brown fight. Marcus Brown was having success in those first four or five rounds till better be of, like, literally tasted blood and then just turned on the Jets and and went after him. Um, you know, he's he's beatable. Like, he looks beatable. Vostick, who's an excellent fighter, was an excellent fighter, was having success until better be of wore him down. Joe Smith will have the best chin of anyone that better be of has faced up until this point. I mean, Joe Smith... Literally fought a fight with a broken jaw against Sullivan two. Herrera. Like two fights with a broken <laughs> like jaw. Two, two fights. Sorry, you're right. Um, like he's tough, and I don't think he's gonna get you know stopped by by Better Bid. And the, but the question's gonna be like, is Joe a good enough boxer to win a decision? I, I don't know. He's so awkward, and he, he throws wildly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did outpoint Jesse Hart, and that was a great win for him, but. I don't know. I don't know if he can outbox Archer Betterbia, but I also don't know how Betterbia will be in like rounds nine through 12 because he's never there. So like <clears throat> this to me has, it's not a coin flip fight. And I agree with you, Betterbia should be a favorite. But if I was placing odds, it would be like two to one, three to one max, max for Betterbia because that's how competitive I think this fight can potentially be. Yeah, I agree with you on that, Chris. It's interesting because more recently, Betterbiev has gone deeper into fights than he had previously in his career, and he has gotten some stoppages late. Uh, I think two stoppages in the 12th round over the last three or four years, and one in the 10th. I think the Adam Dynas fight was stopped in the 10th round, I believe, um, and a lot of people were surprised that Dynas made it as far as he did. Um, mm-hmm. so, You're right. Two, uh, Vostick was 10th round, Dynas was 10th round, Marcus Brown was ninth round and uh, there was one in the and even uh, when you go back fought, to Rico Cole, yeah, yeah that went to, to the 12th, yeah, 12th round, round right? you're right yeah uh, right. but yeah, yeah, yeah but he you know it's interesting what you said earlier Chris and that he can be outboxed because while the Vostick win is to me the best win of his career so far he was losing that fight on two scorecards going into the 10th round when he knocked down Vostick three times and stopped him he was behind pretty significantly I think on two of the cards so uh so he can be outboxed a little bit and um you know, I, I favor Joe Smith early in the fight, in the earlier rounds of the fight, if it's going to be something that ends 
within six rounds, I would favor Joe Smith. I think the deeper it goes into the fight, it maybe favors better Biev. Um, you know, so I don't, I don't see it going the distance, but then, you know, just when you think you have it all figured out, Chris, that's what happens, right? Then, then it'll go 12 rounds and there'll be some, you know, wacky scorecard submitted or whatever. And, uh, you know, the judges, by the way, are Frank Lombardi, Steve Weisfeld, and, um, well, I'm drawing a blank on that. I was told at the press conference earlier who the judges were. Yeah. Lombardi, unfortunately, is the one who submitted that uh, 118-110 scorecard in the Jackson Marinez uh, Roly Romero ah, fight. So let's keep an eye, yes. keep an eye on that a little bit. But um, keep an eye on Frank. <laughs> uh, but I, I don't think it's gonna. I don't think it's gonna be left to the judges. I think one of them will stop the other, and I think it's gonna be a, a pretty good action fight. I think they'll have to be a little careful of each other and mindful of the other's power. Uh, particularly early in the fight. But as Bob Aaron was joking uh, after the press conference earlier, he said that'll probably last one or two rounds and then it's bombs, yeah. you know, bombs away, basically. Yeah, I I think, you know, Joe, the way Joe fights, like he's just going to be throwing wild shots. Like, mm -hmm. and, and if he connects, he can hurt, he can hurt Better BF. Uh, Better BF might hit him with something down the middle that just puts him out of there and he is just relentless like Vostick wasn't necessarily knocked out by one punch he was worn down yeah you know during that fight that's what happens with guys that fight Archer better be they're just worn down by pressure and power punching it's so tough to stay with him uh for 12 rounds nobody's done it of course at this point but Joe Smith might be the guy and I think odds makers are missing this and just keep missing Joe Smith stuff like you, they, they keep betting against him it's like you know crazy? It's, it's, it's funny you say that Chris because when he you know, before Joe Smith had fought anyone that was a ranked contender or anything, he was a, you know, an unknown guy from Long Island. And the first crack that he got was against Andrew Fonfara, if you remember, back in June 2016. Mm -hmm. And there were people going crazy on Al, you know, com complaining and criticizing Al Heyman for even making that fight. And Fonfara opened as a 24 to one favorite against Joe Smith. And Joe Smith knocked him out in the first round. And then obviously in his next fight, knocked out Bernard Hopkins and his career completely changed after that. But I mean, he was a 20, 24 to one favorite Von Farrer was and got knocked out in the first round. So Joe Smith has been down this road before where people didn't believe in him and obviously proved them wrong. Now this might be besides Bivol because I believe Bivol also opened as a 25 to one favorite, but you know, it's right up there on, on par with the Bivol fight in that better be as an elite level light heavyweight as well. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be a great fight. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing it, and then we'll see what happens after that. I mean, I would say this: after saying that Joe Smith is com consistently disrespected by odds makers, I would make the odds in a Joe Smith Bevel rematch like a million to one in favor of Bevel. I don't think Joe Smith can ever beat Dimitri Bevel. Like, yeah. I, I know he clipped him in the tenth round, but that's an, a horrible matchup for right. Joe Smith. Like, just does not mesh style wise. Bevel's too good a boxer. And just stays away from jabbing outside, good shin. Like it's that's a terrible matchup. Better BF, I'd favor Bevel as well, but uh, I think it's a better fight um, stylistically because Better BF could wear him down. But uh, who knows? We'll see that fight um, before the end of the year. I, I'm skeptical of that uh, as well. Um, all right, a couple things I want to finish off with. Do you have any thoughts on Anthony Joshua signing with the Zone? It feels like a more of a UK kind of story because the Zone obviously trying to get its footprint into the UK. Anthony Joshua, huge in the UK. He'll be now be on his own pay-per-view, most likely, uh, over there. I guess the one thing I thought as it pertains to a U.S. audience, Keith, is, you know, now there's some synergy between the networks. Maybe it means we'll get Anthony Joshua back in the U.S. sooner rather than later. Maybe you do some fights with him that are in the afternoon 
in the mm. U.S. I don't know. That's that's the only thing I think of because I'm still waiting for AJ to make his return to the U.S. as he's not been uh, fighting here. He's only fought here once, and that was a disastrous result against Andy Ruiz. What did you think of the news that AJ signed a deal uh, with the zone? Well, I viewed it as a victory for DAZN because there was a lot of speculation that Sky Sports was going to, you know, continue working with Joshua in the UK. Uh, so it's a victory of sorts for DAZN in that way. It, now, the the thing is, if he loses to Alexander Usyk convincingly again, well, then you have a diminished product and you've committed a lot of resources to uh, to that diminished product. He's still a star because he's, you know, he's still, what is he, 32 years old? He's still relatively young, particularly for a heavyweight. Mm -hmm. uh, so he's a valuable commodity still. But if he loses to Usyk and then Usyk is going to go fight Fury or whatever, uh, then he's, he doesn't really have an opportunity to have a piece of the heavyweight title. Um, so then who does he fight? You know, I guess you could make a rematch with Dillian White. I guess that would be a fight that they could promote well in the UK. Um, but, you know, a move, uh, a, res a respectable move for DAZN, certainly, to be able to... Uh, to get in business with Anthony Joshua in the UK as well as in the U S. So uh, that's kind of way the, the way that I looked at it, but I, obviously this fight upcoming with uh, Usyk is extremely important, not just to Joshua's career, but to the, the zone business model, because they will have invested a lot of money in Anthony Joshua. Yeah. If he gets washed by, by Usyk, you're right. Diminished product is, is the right way to frame it. I mean, he'd, he'd have to rebuild, you know, he, I don't even think he'd fight a Dillian white in his next fight out. He'd probably take two fights, to get his confidence back, and then maybe you go into a Dillian White fight in the middle of next year. But it would be there would be some rebuilding of Anthony Joshua if he got beat uh, the same way against Alexander Usyk. Uh, last thing was uh, Crawford Spence. You kind of touched on it. Like looks like we're going to get it. It's been relatively radio silent. You know, Crawford sniping now at Jamal Charlo on social media. Um, he's expressed some optimism that a deal will get done. But we're into June now. I know there's no rush, uh, but uh, if we're talking October, November for a timetable. Uh, when should we be worried or should we be worried at some point that there could be trouble making Spence and Crawford before the end of the year? Well, I don't think we're at any point where we need to be worried right now, Chris, because I've been told that the fight is probably going to be happen in November. Uh, so that's mm -hmm. still quite a ways away. It's still five months, you know, depending on which part of November it is. Uh, that's still four or five months away. So you have plenty of time to wrap this deal up and they're progressing in the talks. And there, there's a lot to, to deal with here from the, you know, Crawford's never fought in a PBC event before. Um, you know, so there's a lot to deal with obviously. And it's a, it's a huge fight for both guys. Um, you know, from a boxing, from the perspective of the boxing business, you know, the biggest fight you could make in the United States outside of the heavyweight division for sure. And um you know, there's a lot of I's to dot and T's to cross. So it's going to take a little while to get it to the finish line, but um, they're getting there and both guys really do want the fight. They don't want to, you know, certainly Errol Spence doesn't want to waste any more time uh, fighting other, you know, making mandatory defenses or anything. He has three of the titles. Now he wants to have his chance to add the fourth one. Uh, so I think both guys are very committed to getting the fight Crawford. I, I believe Crawford's going to be 35 years old in September so he doesn't want to continue waiting. He, you know, he knows that it's it's now or never for him to get this fight done. So um, and he'll be coming up whenever they do fight, whether it's October or November, or even if it takes longer than that for some reason, he's going to be coming off a pretty long layoff, uh, Crawford. Uh, by the time he fights, it'll be you know, maybe almost a year since he he will have beaten uh, would have beaten Sean Porter. So, um, but you know, he's fighting once a year, tw you know, twice a year anyway. So I guess it's not going to affect him all that much. And he's going to make a lot of money, obviously, for this fight. Yeah, I can't see either one of them fighting anybody else at welterweight. That's for sure. I mean, like Spence is not going to fight Boots Ennis. 
um, at welterweight. You know, Crawford's not going to fight Virgil Ortiz at welterweight. I feel like that's if that fight doesn't happen, one or both of those guys will move up and and look for different challenges at this point. But I hope you're right. I hope we're uh, still on track to get that fight because it is a massive event. It still does huge numbers on pay per view, and it'll settle. They're still both very much in their prime, so it'll settle the question of who the best welterweight is. Um, simple as that. It's a legacy fight uh, for both guys. Uh, Keith, look forward to sitting side-by-side side with you wow. for the second big fight in a row. This uh, Once again in New York City, from Barclays Center to MSG, if you want to walk down the street to my apartment, we can... Raise a glass afterwards, you know. We'll, let's make it all happen, baby. Hopefully, there won't be any gunfire or anything like that, uh, and we'll and oh, we'll God, all be good no, to go. No. You know, that was uh, I actually forgot about that briefly, but uh, yeah, I never want that experience ever again, like it was at Barclays Center for sure. Absolutely, uh, Keith. Not. We'll see you on Saturday, man. Sounds good, Chris. I'll see you then. When we come back, this week's picks brought to you by FanDuel. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Now, I'm supposed to talk here about what I remember and what I loved about my first car. And that's easy for me to do because I still have my first car. And as long as it keeps running, and so far so good, I intend to have that car probably until the day I die. Uh, That's how much I love that car. It is like a child to me. Now, it does require some upkeep, and that's why I'm grateful for a place like eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED lights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs... Yeah, like check out these hair. Pl- I mean, don't just walk around. Hey, tapping. Hey, hey, stranger. I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you have to do that with everyone you meet? Try to act like they. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, "Look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot." Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So, what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Fight fans, take your best shot with $200 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. It doesn't matter if your fighter gets knocked out or tapped out. New customers get an instant $200 in free bets on your first bet of $5. Just sign up with the promo code BOXING to bet on all the biggest boxing matches and UFC fights. Choose from the money line to the method of victory and so much more. To get your $200 in free bets guaranteed, just sign up with the promo code BOXING on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. All right, time now for this week's picks brought to you by FanDuel. And this week, I'm looking at that light heavyweight unification fight between Archer Betterbiev and Joe Smith. And as you just heard in my conversation with Keith Eidek, the odds for this fight are incredibly bizarre. Archer Betterbiev right now is at minus 1,100. Joe Smith is at plus 600. They are treating Joe Smith over at FanDuel and many other places like a walkover opponent for Archer Betterbief. And I think that is crazy. I think Joe Smith can not only win this fight, but he can win it in a decisive manner. I really believe that. Betterbief is 37 years old, has been outboxed before, has probably never faced an opponent with the kind of power that Joe Smith has, and has probably never faced an opponent with the kind of chin that Joe Smith has. So... I am taking the upset in this one. I'm taking Joe Smith Jr. At plus 600, take Joe Smith to win this fight. Now, method of victory. This is a tricky one here. Joe Smith, by points or decision, is plus 1,400, which again, is an insane number because Joe Smith has won decisions against top-level opponents before he won his title by decision. Before that, he beat Jesse Hart by decision. I think both these guys, even with the power that they have, I think this fight's going to go to the scorecards. I really do. I think it's rock'em, sock'em, robot for a while. I think they both get tired. I think it eventually goes to the scorecards. So, I am taking the upset here. Joe Smith, plus 600. Joe Smith, by decision, plus 1,400. Even if you don't believe me, these odds are so insane that you have to at least take a flyer on him. You have to. Joe Smith, the last time he was an underdog like this was against Jesse Hart in New Jersey. And Joe Smith dominated that fight. So take him once again. Joe Smith by decision. Those are my picks brought to you by FanDuel. That's it for this week's episode. My thanks to Keith Eidek for joining the show. As always, subscribe, rate, review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you download podcasts. And next week, we'll be recording in San Antonio, Bam Rodriguez, Sarisa Katsul, Rungvisai. That fight will take place next Saturday. And I will be with Sergio Mora, who will do this podcast. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. 
Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand, it's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture. Zero Foxtrot dedicates itself to producing content, honoring the sacrifices of forgotten heroes of the past, and connecting history to the present. Embark on a journey with Zero Foxtrot today at ZeroFoxtrot.com. It's not merely our products, it's about the ethos that we embody. Rugged, resilient, and timeless.